Hey, Bethel Cleveland listeners. We just want to remind you that we've launched a brand new show called the Steve Witt Podcast. Each week, join Steve Witt as he goes further into the word and he offers his unique perspective on the things going on around the world. You don't want to miss this, so check it out. Search Bethel Cleveland on Apple or Spotify Podcasts. Enjoy. Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Open your Bibles if you could. Um, This week, by the way, we have a couple things I just need to announce quickly. We have a Wealth Collective uh, this week. We do it once a month. It was an idea I had about a year ago. We started getting together, and it's turning out really good. So a bunch of us get together once a month on a Wednesday night, and that's this Wednesday. If you haven't been to one, you're still welcome. You can jump in anytime. We cover different topics each month. We have a guest speaker, like a TED Talk, for about uh, 20 minutes or so. And then we, I ask questions to the guest speaker. We get questions from the crowd. We usually break up into groups or individuals praying for one another, for God to prosper them, bless them, give them innovative ideas, help them solve problems, you know, working with uh, employees and customers and all the things that happen in the business world. You are welcome to come to that this Wednesday. We're covering franchises. One of our guys in the church that owns a pizza franchise recently got into it. He'll give you the good, the bad, and the ugly, but helping people know that you don't have to be a millionaire in order to have a franchise. You know, we're trying to lift the financial level of everyone here in the church. So if you're, if you're stone broke, we've got some ideas. You know, if you're just, a, just in that working poor, we, we want to lift you up and get you out of the difficulty and challenge. If you're middle class, we just want to lift to pull you up so that you can be freer to give greater, not only to the church, obviously, but to those that are around you, those that are in need, touching the poor around the world. So check it out this uh, Wednesday night. The men's retreat, which Ryan just talked about, we're going to have a blast. We're going to a new place. It's about an hour and a half away, but we're going to, we'll shuttle. I mean, some people are going to carpool from the church. You'll get some information on that next week. But today, you really need to sign up. You can even do it while I'm speaking if you want. Sign up, get involved. We're going to have at least 50 men going to this thing, and it's going to be a blast. I'm, I'm going to go there. I, I saw the beds. They are Steve-approved. Yeah. I mean, you'll get at least two or three hours sleep on those beds. I, I, I'm very particular about beds, and I'm, I'm going to be there, so we're going to have a great time together. Come, invite your friends. You can bring people from outside the church. Have them sign up. We'd love to have them too. And skeet shooting, well, what can I say? It's Even if you're not a gun guy or a skeet shooter, I've never shot skeet, but I'm going to see what I can do, you know. And uh, they set it up in kind of a game format, so we're going to have a lot of fun with it. And great food going to be there, of course, as always is. Uh, open your Bibles. We'll get there in just a minute to Genesis 28. Genesis 28. This is Vision Sunday. We tied it into this day of celebration. It's our 26th anniversary as a church. I think this past... Tuesday it was, or maybe Monday, something like that. It was Friday the 13th we started this church. Just to let you know, we're not superstitious. Friday, and in fact, the Lord gave us two properties on April Fool's Day. So I don't know, he moves with holidays, strange holidays. Uh, So on Friday the 13th, actually, which was Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the Jewish New Year, I didn't realize that till later. On a Friday night at the Brunswick Rec Center, uh, uh, 92 people 
gathered, it was 91 or 92, it probably changes every year, but 92, people gathered together, and then we started two days later. So, I mean, imagine that. We were, we were insane, really. That's crazy. And 105 people showed up to the first service, and we've grown from there. We've got three campuses. We've had outreaches over the years and other campuses, all kinds of things we've done. But the bottom line is we're here. We've survived the pandemic, and we are thriving, and we're ready to cast a fresh vision. Uh, we usually do it in January, but I moved it up to now because I, I just want to remind, I know some of these things you'll have heard, those who've been here a hundred times. Well, that's what school's all about. It's about learning over and over and over and over again. They say you have to learn, you have to hear something or see something seven times before it finally clicks into where you may buy in or want to be a part of it. So maybe this is your seventh time today. And uh, I want to talk, I, there was so much I need to share, I split it up into two weeks. So this is the first week, next week's the second week. This week I'm dealing with the software of the church. So we'll use a little bit of my limited computer knowledge. You've got hardware, you got software, now you got apps and everything else you know that we use and enjoy and everything else. But just look at the, the core thing. There's usually structure and then there's substance. There's something that is spoken and then it's filled. Actually, God moved this way when he created the universe. I love talking about Genesis 1. I once spent, I think I preached over a month out of Genesis 1 and could have gone on. I found like 10 mandates out of Genesis uh, that, that not only the traditional tend and keep or feel, subdue, and rule, but so many other things that the Lord moved and, and, and built a community of two people with intentions of populating the entire world, it appears, because he was calling them to fill, subdue the world, to go out and, and replenish the world out of that beautiful kingdom-like Garden of Eden. But there's also a big choice they had to make in the garden. You know, eat of, eat of the tree of life. You need to do that and you will have eternal life. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do not eat that one tree. One tree. You know, you know, Tim, I don't know if you have toddlers around. You tell them the one thing they shouldn't do, they're highly attracted to it. They go right for it, you know. No, 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 I just told you, don't, don't open that drawer, you know. And they, they're right there, you know. And one of my granddaughters, like, the more you say, the more she watches you and moves toward what you're saying not to do. So it's kind of human nature uh, to do that. And so we know that problems came about. Jesus came in in Genesis 3.15. There was a a messianic, futuristic mandate, prophecy that the, 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 uh, the foot of the Savior would come and crush the head of the serpent. And of course, Jesus came, it's recorded in the Gospels, came down for that purpose to crush the head of the enemy and to release people into the Garden of Eden, eternal life in the Garden of Eden, that we might eat of the tree of life and be sustained. So that's the summary of all of history. And so you're reading through Genesis and you get this vision like, but the way God built was he built substance. He built containers and then he filled them. So he, he created the land and then he brought the animals onto the land and eventually people onto the land. He creates the oceans and then he puts fish in it. It would have been bad if he created fish before the ocean. There'd be a lot of dead fish out there. And so you see that the kingdom of God moves with clarity and moves with incremental understanding and even a sense of like a roadmap 
a plotting, a strategy, tactics. And, it, and such is the kingdom of God. God is a God of order. Our nation needs to be a God of order. Don't get me into that. Our nation needs to be a God, a place of order, a place where there's, there's the law is, is supported. It's the only way civilization can survive. By the way, a little commercial. I brought my book today. It's called, this is not my book. It's my book that I own. I didn't write it. Uh, Live Not By Lies. We've been encouraging people to read it. We have about probably 15 of them out there, something like that. 15 of these out there. They went last week really fast. Check it out. It is a, a Christian book on how to be a Christian in a post-Christian culture. It is excellent. You will love it. So today I'm touching on the soft side. Next week I'm going to talk about buildings, properties, prophetic, some prophetic words that God has spoken over these properties that we have. It's interesting that uh, two of the three properties that we have are in fields. This was literally a farm and so was Middleburg Heights. It was an onion field at one time, a little over 100 years ago. Uh, I'm not sure what that means prophetically, but it's an interesting thing. And uh, we, we are in fields for the Lord. And so I wanted to think for a moment about who are we in the Bible corporately? I know individually, sometimes you think, you know, if things are going really bad, you say something like, hey, I'm, in a, I'm in a Job moment right now. It's like Job, you know, I'm just, I mean, it may have been that your coffee wasn't quite what it was, but in the Job context, there was a losing of everything, even his physical health, everything short of dying. And in that moment, he still fell down and worshiped God. And so there's times, and so the Bible is there, not just to get a bunch of fun stories, but to realize I'm fitting in there right now somewhere. I'm a Nehemiah right now. Or I'm a Moses right now. I'm releasing people out of some bondage and getting them into freedom. Whether that's corporately at work or whatever it might be, or your family. You know, you identify with people in Scripture, be they male or female. I mean, I, I've identified many times with uh, uh, Deborah, who was a mighty judge warrior that really incited a nation to go to war in, in order to bring the freedom and protect them. Very powerful story. You know, I feel that like I preached uh, two Sundays ago. There's a lion and a lamb in here. That's both Jesus. It's his personality. He's a lamb that can be a lion. He's a lamb that was slain that can be a lion that roars. And so something as a believer in Jesus Christ is in every one of us. Usually we're lambs. Bah. Peace. We're peaceful. Peace is underrated. Let me tell you, I love peace. So we move in peace, but there are moments that you've got to rise up for war. And I used the illustration two weeks ago of Abraham, I think. And Abraham, who was really a peaceful man, he was a shepherd, very wealthy shepherd. But when his nephew got kidnapped in the family and taken up north out of Sodom, he'd camp, he had, he had, camped too close to Sodom, ended up in Sodom, ended up in the government of Sodom, and, and threatened, he was threatened to be corrupt by staying in that place. And then some kings came in, kidnapped him, took him away, and Abraham instantly rose up. There's something about each believer that you push them and they'll rise up in a moment for justice, for mercy. I will speak. And right now in America, Christians better rise up and speak. I mean, if we don't, we won't speak again. So, so I've been thinking a lot about this. I feel like I was born for this moment. Really, I don't know what the rest of my life was all about. 
I know in this moment, I feel stirring in my heart like there's something we need to do for America. I'm a kingdom guy. I'm a citizen of heaven, but I'm not stupid. I want the environment here on earth to reflect, even in perfect, imperfect ways, whatever God is doing in the world. I think America is unique in human history. I really do. Is it perfect? No, it's not. Is there still racism? Of course, there's always, there's hate, there's crime, there's murder. All you do is watch CNN or, or Fox News for a few minutes and you're like, okay, I get it. Things are bad. Things are bad. Inflation, all this stuff going on. Joblessness, uh, depression, discouragement. Uh, fentanyl, which is just uh, killing thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. 100,000 every year. I mean, more than was killed in all of Vietnam. It's being killed every year through fentanyl. And we're just allowing it to pour across our borders. What do we do? Number one, we pray. We pray. There's other things we can do too, but we know the power of prayer. And I'm going to talk a few minutes about the unique, unusual, tense, awkward, uncomfortable at times partnership of heaven and earth. You need to do something. You say, well, I'm trusting God. I know that. I know that, but I found out over and over in my life, this is one thing I did learn. I learned that God does his thing, we do our thing, and when that comes together, and mine may be way smaller than what he does, he wants to partner with us. Jesus was in a business when he was growing up, probably called Joseph and Son. <laughs> Who's that? Well, that's my son. Is he good at making things? Yeah. He's pretty good. Like everything around you, he made. <laughs> can he make my chair? Yeah, I think he can. He has a throne waiting for him in heaven. He also made that. Okay, well, it better be good. You will not be returning it. You might sell it on eBay because it will be very expensive. But you're not, you're not going to bring it back because what he makes is perfect. And so what he does now is he invites us in as sons of God. Now, I want you all to say, I'm just going to say one, two, three, and you just say, I'm a son of God. That's all you got to say. Even ladies. See, we're, men are the bride. <laughs> men have to be the bride of Christ. So women have to be sons of God. Okay, it's just a fair shake. So we're just going to say here real quick, I am a son of God. Everybody ready? One, two, three. Okay, now think of the privilege of that. Think of the power attached to that. When you're a son of the God who created the world, what are you fretting about? I'm looking in the mirror when I say this. You know, it's a lot of Monday mornings I get up like, oh, why are they so late to church yesterday? I never think of, no, I do actually. But anyway, yes. There's things that come and you realize, no, no, no. I cast my cares upon the Lord, for he cares for me. So there's this relief. It's like an inheritance. It is an inheritance. That you get an inheritance where you know, I am a child of God. So in Genesis, we get there, Genesis 23, again, going to the software side of things, we cre uh, God creates things and then fills them, creates them and fills them. I feel we've been creating things for 26 years and have been filling them, but I feel there's something fresh coming into this congregation. These next two years, I don't know why, I mean, it's about a month ago, the Lord impressed upon me up until uh, really 2020, uh, 
26, 26, so about a little over two and a half, three years. This is a season that is either going to be extraordinarily difficult or it's going to be a lifting moment. And if the mercy of God comes upon America, there's going to be a lifting that comes back and we need to run. We tend to get tired at that time. Like, oh, it's back to normal. I'm going to be the back to normal person I was before. Or you can radically say, thank you for this mercy, this window, Lord. We're going for it. We're following you in the purposes of God. Either way, we are moving forward. We are going to seize the day for what God has called us to do that's touching this region and hopefully touching some of the nations of the world too. So go back to the beginning of what I was talking about. We're all in the Bible somewhere. Something about, you know, it reminds me, that's where I am, that's who I am, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to get delivered. I'm trying to, I feel like I'm in bondage right now at work. You know, I'm a Joseph. No one understands me. I'm mis- misunderstood on all sides. I'm not getting any promotions. I've been here for years. Did you know Joseph in the Old Testament, Joseph was in, uh, uh, really uh, sold as a slave, uh, judged by someone, really sexually harassed by someone, judged by the husband, thrown into prison, and then, like, just sitting in prison, rotting in prison, no one even knowing him. Trust me, I've been in some ancient prisons. You don't, you don't live very long in an ancient prison. Your family actually has to bring you food or you will not have any food. So they're dependent on the people on the outside. It's a horrible place. He's in there. He really only has one gift, and he has one thing in his life. He's got revelation. He got an understanding that, that God came to him with a promise and was given a natural coat of many colors. And yet here he is in prison. His brothers deceived him, brothers rejected him, sold him into slavery. It's been a bad 13 years. That happened from 17 to 30. But in one day, in one day, because of the gift he had of understanding dreams and interpreting dreams, he was taken out of the prison into the palace. So I read these and I think, in fact, in 1994, that was my person in the Bible. Somebody handed me a book that said, God Meant It for Good by uh, R.T. Kendall. I read that book. It was like reading an autobiography. Cindy and I read it together actually each night because we were going through a very difficult time. And we would just sit and weep. I mean, there was times I couldn't read the next sentence because you know how you're kind of reading and you can tell where it's going. I'd be overwhelmed with the life of Joseph. Like this, this is... This is where we are. This is what we've gone through. And I'm telling you, the Lord used that moment to prepare me with a framework for what he was about to do because he was about to fill that up big time. Do we know who that is? Okay, I think we do now. All right. Someone was in urgent problem there right now. I think they 911 something, so the police may show up any moment. Or the FBI, I don't know. But anyway, that's a joke. Just a joke, just a joke. <laughs> so Joseph in one day, whoo, he's out. And I, so that's the promise. We're there like, well, when's that day coming? That day came, yeah. <laughs> Cindy's agreeing with it. That day came within months. After, after 10 years of deep anguish, Lord plucked me out and put me, and I mean, literally it was, it was, it was a literal, it was, very symbolically, but feeling literal, out of a, a place of imprisonment and captivity into a place of absolute a dream quest. It was way beyond anything I ever asked or imagined. And literally in a moment, in a day, I got taken out and offered the world. 
traveled all over the world, preaching to thousands of peoples, out in, out in fields with tents. I mean, getting up before thousands of people, the power of the Spirit of God would, would be touching these people. I mean, it was, it was like a dream. You know, I didn't even have to prepare. It was the weirdest time of my ministry. I did prepare because that's what I do. But I'd show up and the Holy Spirit would just design. He loved to like paint paintings right in front of me, you know, and just, oh, I mean, I remember preaching in a church in, in East Berlin uh, that, that had uh, formerly been uh, used by Hitler to stir his troops up. And all the scriptures that were painted on the wall were militant scriptures uh, out of the Old Testament that he would use when they came in. And there I am, you know, we're standing in this place and they had the uh, East Berlin, parts of the East Berlin Orchestra were playing that night in worship. And these were all guys in their 80s and 90s. They were ones who, who were, were in East Berlin before the wall fell. And now they're, you know, it's 1994, 95, somewhere around there. I mean, they, they're only like three years out of being, uh, three years, four years out of totally being liberated and freed. Man, they played, they were like 80, 90 years old. And they were up there just with their violins. They were like weapons, honestly. And I looked down the line of people that were there and, and they had their eyes closed. It was like, it was probably a couple thousand people. And, and I watched. And when these guys would reach the high notes, like, da, 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 like this, the crowd, the whole crowd would move. All their eyes are closed. But it, simultaneously, they would all lean back. And when they go into lows, they would come forward and you could feel the move of the Spirit of God like a wind moving. It happened in Monterey, Mexico. It happened in many places around the world. And so I know what it's like to be a Joseph. I've claimed him as my guy. You can't have it. No, you can't. You can't. It's your Bible. You get your Bible. You can claim him too. But I thought about this church. Who are we? There's a lot of people that we can say we're like, but I want to go to Genesis 28, and I want to talk about Jacob. And I know when I say Jacob, everyone's like, God, oh, Jacob, he's a con artist. Is that who we are? Kinda. He's the supplanter. You know, he wrestled with God. Yeah, and, and, and kind of beat him. He ended up with a, you know, a messed up hip, but hey, he got the blessing. It's amazing what wrestling with God can do, you know. And so we're people that are running from things and running to something. And we're wrestling with God. We are hungry, we are desperate, and we want more. That is Jacob. And so when I look at Jacob's story, I love it. Look at Jacob in, in Genesis 28. So the story is here that, that uh, Jacob has got in big trouble with his brother. Uh, he is... Uh, He's running away from Esau who wants to kill him. You can imagine that if you had a brother that wanted to kill you and he knew where you were and had your GPS signal or something like that, you'd be running and you'd be pretty upset about it. And the Bible says he finally gets to a place and Bishop Garlington, I was with him last week, we're in Columbus celebrating a church that we, we were part of planting down there 10 years ago called Oasis City Church. By the way, if you know friends in Columbus, send them to o Oasis City Church. It's an amazing church. It's, it's really a, a, an amazing uh, racial, ethnic, blended church uh, meeting in Westerville. And last Sunday, they had, on the, on the worship on the stage, it's their 10th year celebration, they had 84 people on the stage, choreographed, dancing, moving, worshiping, flags, the whole, the whole shebang, you know. And it, uh, 
It was, it was stunning. It was visually stunning. You know, great, great group of people down there. And uh, God bless them with uh, a really great church down there and great power. And so, you know, I was watching that, absorbing all that and everything else and enjoying the time there. But I was thinking about this, Jacob, because I preached a message down there to a little seven-minute deal to their church. Come back home, I was thinking, well, maybe I'll just expand that. And the Lord brought me over here to Genesis. So he was running from Esau. He turns aside and as what Bishop said last week, he, he turned to a place called Luz, L-U-Z, where evidently the people who lived there were losers. I mean, they, they were losers. He turns in, is a prophetic picture in Luz. He turns aside there. And this is a biblical mystery, whether he did not know that that was the place that his grandfather Abraham made sacrifice and also his father Isaac had been there. So he's going into heritage territory. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't know. I don't know. Maybe he was so caught up in himself, he was unaware of his family history, or whatever happened, but he turns into there, and he is exhausted. He is exhausted. He's ripped off his brother. His brother's trying to kill him. He's turned into this place. He's waiting down. So he falls, and he gets a stone, which possibly may have been a part of the stone of the altar that his grandfather built. Puts the stone there. There's something about heritage. Trust me. If you live for God and your children are not following God, continue to trust God. Somewhere they're going to grab a stone somewhere and they're going to get a fresh awareness of who God is. So he lays down and he goes to sleep. And this is, the, this is the picture of him going to sleep, Jacob. In verse 28, verse 12, it says this. This is what we do. Then he dreamed. This is a group of dreamers. A little weird sometimes. But we dream. We dream literal dreams and we find interpretations. You know the dream? Dreams are one of the, it's, it's arguably the number one biblical language of communication between God and mankind is dream, dreams. But many Americans just, oh, it's just, it was a wild dream. It was a pizza dream. It might've been a pizza dream. There's demonic dreams. There's pizza dreams that are meant to keep you sane. And then there's, there's, Glorious gifted dreams from God. My life has been led in major ways by dreams. The Lord once healed me of, of uh, uh, ancestor or uh, anniversary grief uh, from my father's death on the night of uh, the first anniversary of his death. The Lord visited me in a 1968 yellow Camaro in a dream, which was my father's car. Top was down, I was in the back seat, he was driving. And in that dream, I don't want to get into details, I don't have enough time for it, but in that dream, he healed my soul. It involved a bird. It involved me waking up and going back into the dream. And then him, a voiceover speaking that he would never leave me nor forsake me. It established my life at that point because I was, I was in that, even though I was older, in my 40s, it was the separation of a father, earthly father, into a fuller dependence on a heavenly father. And so we dreamed. He dreamed, Jacob, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached into heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending. I love that. I mean, there is the, let me just get this out of the way. We are Bethel Park because of our association with the Bethel Church in Redding, California. But I like the name Bethel. I also grew up in a church called Bethel Temple up on Pleasant Valley Road, 12901 Pleasant Valley Road. I remember it. I grew up in Bethel. 
I live in Bethel now. Bethel is this place. Lose became Bethel. Luther, losers can become Bethel. And in Bethel, Bethel was an openness to God. And so when we named ourselves Bethel, I thought this is, a, you know, this, is our, this is our this is our verse. We're Jacobs. We we dream things. So let's go on. Now think this is Bethel. This is us. So grab what you can out of this because I don't have time to unpack it all, but you're going to get some of it. A ladder was set up, ascending and descending angels. It's interesting, it doesn't say descending and ascending. You'd assume angels originate in heaven that would descend down and then go back up. But here he says it's here going up and coming down. What it represents is the petitions of the saints are going up constantly into heaven. At the same time, they're coming down on the other side. That is the location of Bethel. In our church, I want people to come in here and feel like they are coming into an otherworldly environment. Not, not freaky, although some people have been kind of freaked out by it. You know, we talk about move of God. If you haven't been in that, you're like, what, what was that? I did feel something strange. Was that it? Probably. Or the onions you had with your steak last night. I don't know. But you learn to discern over time. So there's this ascending descent. That means there's activity going on in the midst of Bethel. By the way, in any church, this is true. Any church is true. Some, we just, some churches just don't recognize it. We do. We reckon, we joke and say, angels sit up on that shelf over there, right there to the left. See it up there? It's an architectural adjustment, the shelf with the wall slants in. First time I walked in here, I sat a chair right up here where the pulpit is. Nobody had been in the building yet. I looked up and I, I thought, that's where angels dwell. So they're sitting up there. Whether they are or not, I don't know. This is a Steve Witt thing. But I look up there. That's how weird we are. We think something is going on spiritually in our environment. And where we go, we are carriers of the kingdom of God. You carry it to work. Let me just tell you, there is no coincidences in the kingdom of God. There is no Hebrew word for coincidence. There's the orchestration of heaven in your life. And when you, you get in line with that and you get it attuned with that, I'm telling you, there's a whole other life out there that you can live. And it's not perfect, but you're going to taste the perfect. You're going to taste Jesus Christ and his power. So it says this, verse 13, and behold, the Lord stood above it. That's above this ladder. And he said, I'm the Lord God of Abraham, your father. Here's another thing. We believe God speaks. This is part of the software we have. In this church, we believe it. You say, you mean, I remember, I, I mentioned this last week, I believe, but we were, when we were in Australia and God supernaturally brought us back to a couple that we had met two days before on a bus miles away in Italy. What did I say? In Italy, I'm sorry. I had Australia on my mind. In Italy. And uh, they showed up. The maitre d' brings them over to the table and sits them, at, not at a table next to us, at the same table with us. They looked and sat down and said, well, this is a weird coincidence. And so after a period of time, we start opening up. We're eating pasta together. We're talking about how weird that was. In my heart, though, I thought, this is not weird. Your world, this is weird. This is God. And I don't know what he's up to right now, but I'm here. Amen. What do you want? So the conversation led. I began to share with her, and she said, you mean like you hear voices? And at first glance, that doesn't sound good. Doctor, <laughs> I'm hearing voices. Actually, I tell my doctor that. He's a believer. He understands, you know. 
But we hear the voice of God. Jesus said, he said, my sheep will know my voice or hear my voice. So the joke is, well, I'm not hearing a voice. Well, may not be a sheep. I don't know. Because the Bible says my sheep will know my voice. Having said that, you do learn how to discern as people. That's part of what we do here. We train people to understand, you know what? That was the Lord. I've had people tell me all the time, you see God everywhere. Almost in like disgust, you know. I'm like, I kind of do. And maybe I'm off on it a little bit. I don't know. You know, maybe that wasn't God. But I think, no, I think God, if he, but how does he have time to be in Iran and work things out in Afghanistan and all the things going on in Ukraine? Like God is like really busy in the angels. Uh, He's God. So if you believe in God, he's way bigger than the big that you think he is. Take that by a million times and you're just scratching the surface. He knows you. His eye is upon you as if you're the only person in the world. Think about that. You say, well, surely God didn't see that. He sees that. He knows that. He wants you to release the sin and the weight of your lives. Give it to him so that he can move into your life and create something that's going to bring great, well, let me just tell you, the bottom line, love, joy, peace. Love, joy, peace. Love, joy, peace. So the Lord stood above and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, God of Isaac, the land which I, you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants. Also, we, got, we have descendants, spiritual descendants out of Bethel. Actually, Aaron and Sarah are kind of spiritual descendants out of here. They went to Japan. We've got spiritual descendants all over the world right now. And what I want to see is like the sand of the sea. Descendants all over the world taking an Abrahamic message of who Jesus is and the power of the cross. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's the Abrahamic blessing. Romans says that in Christ, we take on the blessing of Abraham. Do you know that? You're a son and daughter of Abraham. We used to sing it back in the 80s and the 70s. Father Abraham, many sons have Father Abraham, and I am, and so, so let's, <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> that's right. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, turn around, spin up, jump up, down. <clears throat> that's what we did in church in the 70s, just so you know. We're sons and daughters of Abraham. We carry a blessing that everywhere we go, even to our descendants, my daughters, my son, and my grandchildren, I believe whether they choose it or not, they are blessed with an Abrahamic blessing. And God's called them to not just hoard that blessing, carry that blessing, but move that blessing, release that blessing so that all the people of the earth will be blessed by this. Yeah. What a mission. It says this, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I've done what I've spoken to you. Verse 16, and we're getting close to the end here. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep. Honestly, we've had people say this. 
many, many times. Not exactly this way, but it's what they're saying. He woke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. There's people that come here often, first time people, and they sit and just weep. You know, you're just like, hey, don't touch them. Just let them, let them process here. What's happening? They are encountering. It's not, a, it's not about the people. I mean, the people are great. It's not about the buildings. They're great too. It's, it's about the presence of God that is expressed when corporate gatherings come together of imperfect but forgiven people. It's powerful. Think what heaven's going to be like with perfect perfection. It'll be awesome. Your mind will not be distracted by thousands of different things. You'll be able to come and focus easily as you worship the Lord in purity and whole heart. But right now, out of a sacrifice, we, we lift this, this huge uh, titanic of, a, of life that we, we live in and we cast it upon the Lord. Why? So that he can clear our minds and hearts and we can clearly see with spiritual eyes and spiritual ears. So, he wakes up, surely God is in this place. I did not know it. Wow, I'm shocked. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome. Really the, the Hebrew word there for awesome is not, not kind of like how we call awesome. It's, 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 um, it's great, overwhelming respect that brings you trembling in fear. Like a lion walking through the room. And he's not on a leash. That's what he felt. He said, how fearful is this place? Why? Because when you touch God, as I did, I got touched this morning. I turned to Cindy, Cindy and I said, Cindy, Holy Spirit's in this place. I mean, it just, I walk when I, you know, when I pray and sing and, and uh, I just walk back and forth. I can feel just waves. I thought he is touching people. Right now he's healed people in this room. They don't know it yet. They're going to get home and whatever it was with their leg, they're going to realize, oh, wait a minute. That leg's okay. Well, that's weird. No. It's God. It's God. He's touching in the presence. Heels melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. You come here and just sit for an hour and a half on Sunday. It's like the spiritual car wash. You're going through this thing. We're going to get your hubcaps. We're going to get the mats out. We're going to clean it all. You're going to leave with a little minty thing hanging on your rearview mirror. <laughs> Jacob rose early in the morning. Oh, by the way, they called it the house of God, the gate of heaven. And then he says a little bit later in verse 19, we called the name of this place Bethel. You know, when we built this building, I drew it out on a napkin. I met with an architect. I said, this is what I want. I said, we, we want to make something that looks really compelling, but it's rectangular. <laughs> rectangular is kind of boring in architecture, you know? And I said, can you do something? He said, yeah, I can. And he did, he did it so amazing. And when I saw the design, several things I didn't even really notice until they began building this building. And when they built this building, uh, he flipped the lid, the roof in the lobby there, which speaks to the open heaven, which gives us glass on that, on that Western view there. And he popped it up, you know, and then on each corner outside, you'll see it when you go out to eat in a few minutes, he put these, these uh, architectural features on each corner that look like ladders. And when he came back later on, we were walking around the building. I said, hey, I love the ladder idea. And he goes, what are you talking about? I said, right here on the outside of the building. He goes, oh, those do kind of look like ladders. He wasn't even thinking that. But it's the ladder. We've got four of them, one on each corner of the building. To me, it was like one of those, you know, when you look to heaven and God goes, 
is one of those moments like, oh, Lord, you're even taking care of some of the architecture here that you want it to become part of the story. Bob Jones, remember Bob Jones, the prophet, old guy, came in here in 05, right after we bought this property. He stepped foot on the property. The first thing he said, he said, this, I was right there, I recorded it. He said, this is Jacob's Field. And I said, no, Bob, Jacob's Field's downtown. <laughs> he said, and he's a, he was a baseball fan. He said, I know that. So, but this is what I saw in my dream. He said, see that fence over there? He points to the freeway fence. He said, young people were climbing over that fence to get onto this property. And like, I, I felt chills and, and it began to snow. It was a cold day. It began to snow really hard at that time. And it was just the sense, it was so epic, the feel that this is the Lord. The Lord is doing something on our properties. To him, to heaven, we're called Bethel because Bethel is Jacob's field. That's the place. Luz became Bethel. Every one of you here is on some kind of a journey. You came here today for whatever reason. You know, maybe you came with a friend, you came to eat, you just had nothing to do, or you're part of this church. We welcome you, we love you. We have three campuses, one in Middleburg, Brunswick, and Akron. Akron meets on Sunday night. You can get it all on BethelCleveland.com. But we're a people that are saying, okay, we've encountered you, Lord. We've had an open heaven. We've heard your voice. We desire, Lord, to touch the nations with the blessing that you brought upon us. That is the software of this church. And I present it to you now for approval. We believe in dreams. We believe in answered prayer, up and down. We believe we have a heritage in Abraham, descendants. We believe in reaching the whole world. We're raising money right now for, for uh, Bulgaria and for Kenya. We're ministering to children off the streets with two friends of ours raising $100,000 this year. We've dug uh, multiple scores of wells in Africa. The organization that we support that digs wells are almost at 1,000 wells dug throughout, throughout Africa, and our eyes are now on uh, Madagascar. We believe in an open heaven. We believe that these people and this place is sacred. Did you know that, that certain soil has a, a larger value than other soil? Did you know that Bethlehem, a little old town south of Jerusalem, has special soil there? Jerusalem, special soil. Nazareth, special soil. You go around the world, you can feel it. This property, Middleburg Heights, Akron, anywhere that we move and minister, we declare that this is sacred before the Lord. And you, the people, from God's perspective, are declared saints of God. You know what a saint means? Holy one. You said, oh, no, no, you don't. I had a bad week. It was not. He declares over you the power and the authority of being a holy one, a saint of God. We believe in the anointing, that a little oil makes a big difference. We believe that our name is a parallel. Bethel is a parallel to the Bible. And we are arranging our future around that. So from here, one last thing. In fact, let's all stand up together if we could. Did pretty good. I'm only three minutes over. I have a podcast every week. I do it on Tuesday. It usually drops on Thursday or somewhere around there. You, you might want to listen to it periodically. You can get it on Spotify. Uh, 
and our, our website, and I think on our page or something like that. Uh, it's called uh, the Steve Witt Podcast. The Steve Witt Podcast is me breaking down more than what I share here. It's a lot more emotional. It's a lot more dynamic, I think, when I do it. I mean, I'm just in a room all alone, so it gets a little crazy <laughs> in there. But I encourage you to listen to it because I'm going to share some things this week that are even deeper, particularly toward the vision of this church and the soul that God's creating here. But if this sounds like something that's attractive to you, I would just say, come and run with us. Come join us. Be a part of this move of God that we believe is touching the nations. We want to remain simple. We want to remain organic, all that stuff. I mean, we just, I, want to, I want to serve in the purity of Jesus Christ. That's my highest ambition. But I think when we do that, we're going to find out there's a multitude of people out there looking for the same thing. They want to follow the man, Jesus Christ. They want to follow him. They want to know him. They want to learn of him. And right now in this moment, if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ, what a great time to just say, I'm going I'm to make the move right now. I'm going to give my heart to Jesus. We're just going to do this for about two minutes. Just bear with me. We've got burgers waiting and some really good uh, kielbasa out there, a bunch of other stuff, a lot of great games, fun stuff to do out there, a lot of stuff for the kids. So be sure to hang out with us. But right now in this spiritual moment, as we share this, this is Jacob's field. Heavens are opening up right now. I feel the Lord is shining something down into your heart. Will you respond? Ultimately, Jacob's name was changed to Israel, which means prince of God. Could be princess of God too. He wants to call you into the ultimate destiny that he has for you. He has a map. He knows where you need to go. He knows the amount of the hair on your head. If you're here right now and you do not know Jesus Christ, I'm gonna do this real quick. Do it different ways every week. But looking over the crowd, if you say, I've never asked Jesus into my heart or I, I did it as a kid, I got baptized, I didn't really know what I was doing or whatever, but I, I'm feeling right now, I'm feeling in the time where we are socially and culturally in this nation right now that I, I'm feeling broken and so I need a compass. I need a true north. I need to understand where I'm, why I'm here and where I'm going. I'm telling you that's Jesus Christ. I'm not a salesman for Jesus. I'm telling you, you have a choice now. Eat of the tree of life or eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That leads to death. Life leads to eternal life in Jesus Christ. So if you're here right now, you've never said, never asked Jesus into your life, or you wandered from it and you want to kind of reassert yourself and align, your, align yourself into that moment. Across this room with 30 seconds left right now, across this room, if that's you, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Keep your hand up so I can see it. Across this room, anyone? I see a hand over here. Anyone else? Looking across the room. We're going to pray together. Yes, I see that right there. God bless you. Anyone over here? Wave your hand if I'm not seeing you because I want to make sure I see you. We got a couple people right here. Yeah, yeah. See those waves? We bless them right now, Lord. Let's pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I receive you into my heart. Mold me and shape me into your image. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I yield my life to you. In this moment, 
cause me to be born again in Jesus' name. Amen. We know in Scripture that if you prayed that in faith, there's something, yeah, let's thank the Lord for that. Something happening in your heart. Okay, here's the deal. We've got ministry team up here. If you've got something you need prayer for, financial situation, sickness, whatever it might be, we know everyone's struggling so much right now. Whatever it is in your life, feel free to come up here. These are trained people we've trained. They'll be glad to pray for you. You just do like you do in a grocery line. You just go up and stand in front of them. And they're gonna, they're gonna, in, you know, there may be three or four in line. Just wait a few minutes. They'll get to you. They'll pray for you. They'll minister to you. We have plenty of food, so we'll make sure you get some food. But let me just bless you in the name of the Lord. And then you can do what Rachel is going to tell you to do here in just a moment. Lord, I bless this congregation. They're rising up. They're lying down. They're coming in. They're going forward. May the, may the grace and mercy of God follow them every day of this week. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.